Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. I want to say hello to those who are are joining us from all around the world, really. So we're really thankful that you're stopping in. I'm really thankful you're here. And I want to, uh, I almost didn't think I was going to make it here live. As my iPhone, the battery's getting a little low and iffy. And as I plugged it in, it kept giving me a warning about not being able to trust the computer. I didn't have a power cord. I was plugging into my laptop with a power cord and didn't have a wall plug. So, hey, I'll say all that to say, let's hope this battery makes it through my live broadcast. My broadcast is going to be just a little bit shorter today just because I do have an obligation to to, uh, to get to work at the mortuary by a certain time. But hey, Dennis, I see you on there. Dennis, good to see you. Uh, been praying a lot for you, believing in God's healing for your back. And uh, just give me a report. How you doing? Uh, Beverly, thanks. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're joining us today. Uh, I want to say hello to all those who join much later because they can't watch it live. I know there's quite a following that watches live and, and gets this in at some other time, uh, in different time zones, different places around the world. Good morning, Judy. Hi, Cindy. Uh, so I hope that you are ready for a great study today. We're still in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. And this morning, uh, my study is brought to you by Cinnabon. Huh? Isn't that great? Cinnabon opened a new store here in Wichita that is inside the quick shop. I saw it being Worked on a couple of weeks ago, and it was open this morning, so I got their toasted hazelnut coffee on the way in. Mm, mm, mm. That is really good coffee, and really good coffee deserves a really good cinnamon roll, but I don't have a really good cinnamon roll here. I didn't buy one of those, but anyway, I uh, hope you get it. grab a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, grab a notepad, or if you don't like coffee, I can't imagine that, but I know some people don't. Just grab whatever you like to drink. And, and let's, let's just have an incredible discussion today about this Sermon on the Plain that we began last week. The Gospel of Luke. Luke's talking about what Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. Luke calls the Sermon on the Plain. It's all in the same area right there, just a different way of looking at the hillside and the level where it levels out in the Mount of Beatitudes. But this is really, as I mentioned last week, this is the highest, purest, truest teaching of any teaching by any teacher in the world. These are the greatest words, the greatest platitudes, the greatest sermons, sermon ever given. Um, Doing much better, Dennis said. Doctor, removed three bone spurs, still on restrictions for another four weeks praying for you during those restrictions and I'm really I'm really believing in God's complete healing for you. Thank you so much for the update, Dennis. And uh and the rest of you. I mean, I I have a I have a kind of a wall of prayer at the church where I pastor in Udall and uh, I have Dennis's name up there and there might be a few of you others if you share requests for me, I'm going to put it on there. We're just learning to pray and believe in God's healing power. God always answers prayer. God always heals. Sometimes not the way we think he should, but when we're surrendered to God, he always uh, answers and always heals. So um, I asked Dennis about that because his name is on my board. And I just uh, want to give the people a report down there in Udall because they ask about the different ones that I've put up there. 
I know my wife Rhonda, hi Rhonda's on here and we're praying for her new knee replacement that she's going to have in October. So uh, trusting that to the Lord, uh, praying for lots of people. We've got 24 or five different requests on there for different things that, that are on everybody's heart for healing. And healing doesn't mean just the removal of physical symptoms. Healing, it can happen emotionally, spiritually, eternally. Let's face it, we all die at some point. And then we're ultimately eternally healed. Never to be sick or to die or to hurt again. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just uh, really looking forward to this lesson today. This is, if last week was uh, the greatest sermon you ever heard, not by me, it was Jesus' words. And you're welcome, Rhonda. This week, this is how we live as Christ. I want you to take, pay very special attention this week. This is how we live as Christ in this world. What Christ is going to be teaching us today, what he taught his disciples then, is, is the, it, it is, I'm, I'm just struggling for this great adjective. It, it is the quintessential life of the Christian believer. We've lost some of that in our world today. We, we just think that Christianity is this something we have to just believe in. And, and it's okay as long as we believe. Well, that's not true. It, it's not just okay just as long as we believe. It matters how we live. Christ didn't come, he didn't suffer, and he didn't die just so we could have a belief system that would get us into heaven. He came to transform us, and in transforming us, to transform our world. I'm still learning what that means, and I'm still growing every day, and I hope you are too, and I think you are, or you wouldn't be on this Bible study. But I really want to challenge you. These things we're going to talk about this morning, they challenge me to the very core. And I, and I, but they're the core of what it means to be Christian. What it really means to live as Christ. Remember that the word Christian means little Christ. We are to be as little Christs to our world. That's a huge, high and heavy calling. And we can't do it without his grace. It is his power that enables us. The question I have is, are we really open to that power? Are we really asking for that power? Are we trying to tap into that power? Are we trying to overcome these things that we fall down on so much? As I read them, you're going to be like, whoa, yeah, I, I need to do better at that too. I mean, this is a tough list. So let's, uh, let's look at it this morning. But if you have your prayer cards, grab your prayer cards. As I mentioned in the beginning, I'm going to be slightly shorter on my broadcast today because of needing to get to work at the mortuary by a certain time. And, uh, I mean, we'll still go 40 minutes or, or more or so. Um, but I do have, uh, I do have uh, that need to quit a little early, and my battery on the phone, it's a little iffy, and I don't have the power cord, so uh, let's pray that the battery works. Would you take out your prayer cards, look at your prayer, and let's pray in our prayer before study of Scripture. Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity, with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live, both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. 
For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies, and unto you we give all glory and praise, together with our Father, who is from everlasting, and the all-holy, good, and life-creating Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I see Dwayne is jumping in here, and my mother, Neva. Hi, Mom. Good to see you. And uh, let's look at the scripture today. This is Luke chapter 6. We're in the fourth part of chapter 6, beginning with the 27th verse, reading to the 38th verse. But I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I could summarize all of that, let me point you real quick to verse 35. Verse 35, Luke is telling us, that if we will do these things, if we will live like this, we will be sons, and we can add daughters. You know, that's, they didn't mean to exclude the women. That was just customary way of talking in those days. We've learned to do better than that now. So we will be sons of the Most High God. If we really want to be children of God, we need to live as God wants us to live. How do we do that? There is no other way. This is it. So let's dive in and let's look at what he's talking about here. He, he just, he ended, let me remind you, last week he ended with those woes. You know, woe to you if you do these things. You know, if you're rich now and, you, and you, you're full now and you laugh now and you, you haven't learned what it means to weep or haven't learned what it means to be poor in spirit, haven't learned what it means uh, to, to speak well of all. Those are the things that he was warning us against. And so, right there, but I say to you, he says, I say to you that hear. Okay, Jesus knew not everyone was going to hear him. Not everyone had a heart to hear. We must have a heart to hear. We can ask ourselves, how many times have we read this scripture? I'm 59 years old. How many times have I read this scripture? How many times have I heard this in a study or a sermon? 
And I still struggle to live like this. It, it, it is a lifelong struggle in our humanity, but that's no excuse. The grace of God is sufficient for all things and able to help us overcome and to live a holy life, to pursue holiness. That's really what we're talking about here. We're really talking about Jesus' recipe for how to live holy lives, how to pursue holiness. And it begins with love. Look at that first line. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So there's two commands here, to love and to do good. Right away, we want to look at that first word, love, and let's ask ourselves, what is that word? You know, in this verse-by-verse commentary on Scripture, we want to look at each word sometimes and see what is the original telling us here. Because when we hear that word love, we often just, hey, I love you, I love you. But do we really know what that means? The word is agape. Okay, there's no getting around this one. It is agapeo. That's the love of God. That's the unconditional love. That's what he calls us to have for our enemies. Okay, not the phileo. Not that's the brotherly love. I love you. I like you. You know, I just, you're okay with me. No, no, no. God says love our enemies. Wow. Because that's what he does. He loves those who hate him. God loves everyone. If we're going to be with God, we need to learn to do that. Yes, it's challenging. Well, he, how do you do that? Well, I think the reason, the reason he says do good to those who hate you it's a pretty strong statement, who hate you. I hope I'm not talking to a lot of people who have a lot of people in your life that hate you. I, I just hope I'm not. Because that's a horrible feeling when we have people that hate us. But Jesus is saying, even if we do, we need to love, we need to do good to those who hate us. See, when we practice a life of good works, this is what, this is what uh, the gospel talks to us about in these good works. Um, James had a great comment there. I don't know if I can see it. It says, we agree that we are uh, to love, disagree on how to love them and show love. We disagree on how to love and show them. Yeah, James, I, I get where you're going. We do disagree, uh, you know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and boil it down for us today because we need to agree on how to love them, okay? And, and I think this is why Jesus says, do good to them. Do good to them. Because it, we cannot love them with an agapeo love, with an agape love, unless we are actually doing something. Because agape love is an active love. It's a love that does things. It acts. It wills. Because it's God's love. It wills to love others. Okay? So we need to do good even to our enemies, to those that hate us. And that's a difficult word to hear. But it is important for us to hear. This is how the world will see Christ, that we do good even to our enemies. And, and I know we're living in a context where we don't think of a lot of enemies, but, but let me point out one you might not be thinking of. It's no secret that Christians or Christianity in the Western world is beginning to experience a great amount of of ostracization, dare I even say, working towards persecution. Definitely in the Eastern world, there's been persecution of Christians for a long, long time and still is. But in the Western world, we've lived pretty much free of persecution, but it's happening more and more and growing. 
specifically, James says, specifically we as in we Christians. Sometimes we disagree in how to show love. That's right, James. I think you're right. You know, even as Christians, we disagree with one another. And, and I'm, just, I'm just trying to call it out today. I really am. I believe we as Christians are sadly going to be experiencing even more, uh, shall I say, persecution or ostracization. Christianity is not in favor with the masses and the masses in, in both civil leadership and secular society. But that's okay, because it wasn't in Jesus' day either. That's why Jesus came. That is the power of the gospel, to transform the societies that we live in. And I think we're back to the first century. I think we're back to a world where God came with Christ in the incarnation at just the right time. God knew when it was the right time to transform the world. And I believe we have an incredible opportunity to rise up and live as Christ, to live these loving lives, to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us. And, and he says to bless those who curse you. Just goes on. Bless those who curse you. Now the word here really is, now let me, let me just talk about the word here, to do good. That is, is the Greek word kalos. K-A-L-O-S. Kalos or kalos. That word means to do something noble to do what's right. He goes on to say to bless those who curse you. The, the word bless here is, uh, is eulogeo. Eulogeo. It's from that, the word, root word for the good news of the evangel. Eulogeos. E-U-L-O-G-E-O. And it means to literally speak well of and to praise. So we need to speak well of and to praise those who abuse us. It says abuse you. Specifically. Yes, I, I can see that on the screen there. Um, what does it mean, those who abuse you? Let, let, let's talk about that for a minute. I'm not saying that if there's someone who is in an abusive relationship, uh, let's say a, a wife that's being beaten or, or husband or, or a child, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're supposed to, to stay in that and take the punishment. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think Jesus is saying that. But I do think what he's saying here is that when we're dealing with relationships where people don't like us, people do uh, hate us, perhaps even they are our enemies, the reality is we're still supposed to bless them. We're supposed to think noble thoughts toward them. We're supposed to say noble things about them. Okay, that's difficult to do. But it, I think we can even think of political discourse here. In political discourse... And there's not much noble talk about the opposite sides happening, is there? But the one who will rise above all the rancor and the put-downs and speak well of the other, even though in reality we know the other's not necessarily right according to what we believe is right. I'm not trying to take sides here. I'm not being trying to be political. I'm saying it's a good example, though, that, that we've got to rise above this tit for tat and this repay in kind or speak back in kind to those who abuse us. The word abuse here is a, is a very strong word. It's a word, it's eperazzo, eperazzo, E-P-E-R-E-H-A-Z-O. And it means to insult 
It even means to molest. It means to mistreat. It means to revile. This is how that word is used in its context. So it's a very strong word. Um, And Jesus is saying we need to find the grace to be able to bless those who curse us and pray for those who abuse you. To pray for them. We don't have to stay in the abuse. We don't have to be gluttons for abuse. That's masochistic. We don't go looking for that abuse. But we need to be in prayer for those that hurt us. In in verse 29, he says, To him who strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. In the ancient world, that was an affront. To slap someone on the cheek was an affront to challenge them. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a uh, truly a public challenge to put them down and say, "I dare you to fight me on this. I dare you to argue with me on this. I dare you to whatever the situation was." And and Jesus is saying, "You know what? Don't take that dare. Turn the other cheek. Just turn the other cheek. It's difficult to do, but it's one of those things that divides us from them. It divides the true believers from." the non-believers. It divides those who are really operating in the power of Christ. Trust me, I'm not preaching today from a position of authority or perfection. I fail at all of these, probably as much or more than you do. But my heart is sensitive. I want to do better. That's what I'm calling us to. We must want to do better. We must be able to read the gospel and allow it to change us. Doesn't stop there. It just keeps getting deeper. Give to everyone who begs from you. Now, he he says here, uh, begs. That's a strong word. Not just asks. Okay, but there's a context here in which we really should just be giving. When people ask us for something, As Christians, we're to give. We're not to judge their motive. We're not to, well, I think if I do this, I'm really just enabling them. And there's probably ways where that's true. I'm not not saying all things have their boundaries. For instance, an alcoholic comes up to you and says, give me, give me a drink, give me whatever, give me that, and you know that's what they need it for. You don't want to just enable their abuse. but But we're still trying to give. We must give. And there's this context that we must give, even to those, it says, who takes away your goods. Do not ask for them back again. How often do we do that? Do we loan stuff to people? Uh, And the very word loan means we expect it back, doesn't it? We do that. It's just, it's our nature to want that back. That's mine. There's a, there's a word here from Jesus the word to hold nothing is ours. It's all from him. And we're to give liberally from all we have. This is difficult stuff, ladies and gentlemen. This is not easy to hear and even harder to do. And he sums that up in verse 31 saying, And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. The golden rule. How do you want to live? How do you want to be treated? That's how you're to live. I'm getting challenged by this a lot. Um, I had a conversation with a friend at at one of the places where I work about the 
increase in the homeless. In Wichita, the increase in homeless, I mean, it has just proliferated since this whole pandemic began. I don't exactly know why, um, but they're, they're everywhere. And I work downtown a lot. And I mean, it's just, a, a, even a year ago, more the, the little before, just right before the pandemic, you, I, you could go through a day and not see a lot. I never even see a homeless person. I mean, it was that. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. They're just more everywhere. Now they're not only everywhere, they're on every corner. They're, I, I saw, I passed by Quick Trip yesterday and there was literally a bedroom set up on the grass. I mean, there was a, a mattress, there was a, a junky old cot, if you will, some type of thing. A person sleeping on it, and, and this was late morning with stuff laid around and clothing. I mean, you're seeing it. I know you're seeing it. And, and I'm saying somehow we have to be moved to compassion. More and more people are stopping to ask me for things. Do you have? Can you spare a dollar? Can you spare this or whatever? You know, I am feeling moved that I gotta quit saying no. I've gotta be prepared. One of the things I almost never do is I almost never have cash on me. And uh, I've gotta be prepared to give them something. Gotta be prepared to give them something. Because I'm hearing Jesus talk to me about how you wish others would treat you. If I were in their situation, if I were that hungry or that homeless, or that much in need. Would I want them to judge me or to give to me? Dennis put an emergency prayer request. Our son's brother-in-law, Robert, is in the ICU at St. Francis. Just heard they are performing. Let me see if I can get that to see more. Performing emergency intubation on him. He has COVID, been in ICU for nine days, possible heart problems. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, let me see if I can point that out here. Robert is his name. Let's just stop and pray right now. Father God, Father God, we, we call out your holy name. We ask you right now to intervene in Robert's. We know you're already there. You're, with, you're always with us. But would you be in that operating room? Would you be in that procedure to intubate? That's to put him on a respirator. Would you be in the working of that, that equipment? Would you be in the healing, bringing healing through that emergency procedure? Would you be in the healing process for his relief from this COVID-19? Would you, Father, we ask your blessing, your healing, your peace in that room and for his family now. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you all for praying. Keep that on your prayer list. Uh, Robert, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to keep him on my prayer list. Thank you, Dennis, for asking us to pray. Well, I'm just saying I don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of needs around us, and we need to be, as Christians, figuring out how to rise up to give to those needs. And to give and not expect in return. To give out of agape that Jesus is talking about here. And, and he goes on to say, the reason that I think this is so challenging, these next verses, 32 through 34, he, he's commenting on what he just told us to do. If you love those who already love you, who are like you in other words, if you do that, what credit is it to you? If even sinners do that. If you do good, hey, I like my neighbor, I'm going to do something good for him. What, what good is that? What credit is that to you, he says. 
Because even sinners do that. If you lend, yeah, I'm going to lend to the, my friend or I'm going to lend this because I think you're a trusted person and you'll probably give it back to me or pay me back. What good is that to you? Now, he's saying, he's interested, something very interesting in the Greek here. What credit is that to you? What credit is that to you? The word credit that the RSV, which is what I'm reading, and, and some of yours might say, what good is that to you? If you have some other English translations, type in a comment there on what yours says there, where, where mine says, what credit is that to you? I'm going to tell you what the Greek is in a minute, but I'd kind of like to hear from you what some of your others might say. Um, you're welcome, Dennis. What a privilege it is to pray. Thank you for bringing that to us. Um, I had another version open here, so I was going to look really quick. It, it's That's in the Gospel of Matthew, though. I, I had some parallels to Matthew I was going to point out, but if we have time. But um, anyway, if you have some, would you type it in there? What, what does your Bible version say? What credit is that to you? Looking up Luke's here in this, this other version. In uh, 30, here we go. What benefit? Okay, so the ESV, the English Standard Version, says what benefit is that to you? And the RSV, as I mentioned, says what credit is that to you? Here's what the Greek says. It says, charis, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Do you recognize that word? That's the word for grace. Jesus is saying, what grace is that to you? There is no grace. We don't get any good, we don't get any good from doing like behavior to people like us. But there is grace from the Father for acting in agape to those in need, to those who are outcast, to those who hate us. Wow. Um, what thanks have he, says the King James, uh, have he, Joan, thank you, Joan. What thanks have he? Uh, you see the difference in what, sometimes the English writers are just, Sometimes these English uh, translations, they're just always trying to be so different. They're always coming up with a different word. But I think they should have just translated it grace. What grace is that to you? I mean, isn't that, that's what we want to live. That's the economy by which Christians live. I'm probably getting too loud in here. I'm getting worked up. I'm in my counseling office and I just realized there's other counselors here. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be preaching at you and, and yelling. I get too loud sometimes. Um, what grace? I mean, grace is the economy that we are to live on. That, that is what we want. That is what sustains us. That is what heals us. That is, I mean, everything of God to us is his grace, and we need to be about that. So when we live as Christ, I titled this lesson to How to Live as Christ. When we learn to love and to do good and to pray, even for those that hate us and abuse us and, and take from us, the, the scripture really says who takes, oh, takes away. And when you look that up in the Greek too, it means literally lives. I mean, it, while it's not a word used for stealing, it is a word for they just take it. Uh, when we learn to, to give, to love, to pray for those who are not who we would want to do that for or normally think to do that for. It is, it is grace. We receive grace back. 
um, feeling, Sylvia said. What feeling is that? I guess, is that the word used in your version, Sylvia? What feeling is that? Um, I think grace is the word. Grace is what we want. That's why God gave it to us in the Greek there. So he, he goes through verse 35, you know, and he says, but love, he just, he just says it plainly. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend. Expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Because, as I started this lesson, then, Jesus is saying, then we are sons of the Most High God. I know there's a general sense in which everyone is God's child. But if we really want to be children of the Most High God, that means part of the royal family. That means living in His grace and with His forgiveness and, and living in, in the blessed life, the holy life, then we've got to learn to live this way. And when, we, when and if we will, it will transform our world. It did it then in the first century, and it'll do it again. Sylvie says, no grace completely changes the feeling. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Explain that to me. Um, I mean that grace completely changes the feeling of that phrase. Yes, yes, yes. It does. It completely changes it. You know, if you're just going to go with benefit or um, credit, you might say, I don't need anything. I don't care if it benefits me. Okay. All right. Well, then you don't do it, you know. But that's not it. We want the grace of God. So grace does. You're right, Sylvia. It completely changes the feeling. And what I believe is what the gospel is trying to communicate to us here. We want the grace of God. So, we want to be children of the Most High God. Because it says, for, the last part of verse 35, for He, meaning God, is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. See, it doesn't matter how we treat God. He treats us with love and respect. He treats us with ultimate love and respect. And that's what we want to imitate. Verse 36 sums it up. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Merciful. I love that word, mercy. It's become a big part of my praying vocabulary. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. That, that word is just so full of everything we need, everything we are to be, everything we want, everything we want to do and to be, to be merciful. And, and the only way to have mercy in our lives is to be merciful. It's, 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 there's no other way. Matthew just said, Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Luke says, be merciful because your heavenly Father is merciful, as your Father is merciful. It's, that's a command from Jesus. That's not a, hey, oh, by the way, try and do this. Um, most of you who know me well know that, uh, if you know me well, you know that I have uh, this calling for uh, 
what is called the Merciful Servants of Christ. In 2007, God woke me up in the middle of the night. Well, actually, he never let me go to sleep. And, and, and it took hours of conversation with God, but he gave me this vision for this, I don't know what to call it, an order, an organization, an order, like a an order of monks, <laughs> but we're not monks, are we? Uh, the, the merciful servants of Christ. And it was to be an order that taught people the mercy of God and to be the mercy of God. So it's a discipleship order. It's a, it's a teaching order. And I guess, and I've never really, you know, I, I put it out there on the internet and two or three people joined it around the world. One in Australia, one in England, a couple here in the States. Uh, it's, it's not anything of noteworthiness or notoriety at all. And, and I still don't even know how to lead it. I just know I want to be it. And God's called me to be it. So uh, at the end of my email or my signature, it, it's MSC, Merciful Servant of Christ. I want to be known as a merciful servant of Jesus Christ. I want you to be known as a merciful servant of Jesus Christ. I want us all to get this because this is what's going to change our world. We're not going to really solve what's wrong with our culture by just aligning ourselves with a particular political party or electing a certain person or uh, gathering in, in, in little groups and thinking we can hide away from society and culture. We're not going to solve anything at all that way. We must become the merciful servants of Jesus Christ in our world. We must figure out how to do this. And I don't know any other way to do it but to preach it, to preach and teach it. So wherever I go, wherever I'm called to preach or teach, this is a part of the message that must be shared. And our world is dying, literally. Our culture is dying for it. And wherever it is being lived, it changes the world. It changes that little culture around it. It will work. God has said it will. He has shown us it will, if we will but do it. If we will, if we will humble ourselves and live it. So, we're not quite done yet. Uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, got to finish. Okay. In verse 37 and 38, the last two verses I'm sharing with you today, Jesus specifically says, judge not. Now, this is, this is something that gets used a lot. Judge not, so you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Well, first of all, we all want to be forgiven. None of us wants to be condemned, and we don't want to be judged. We hate it when people judge us. Uh, it doesn't feel fair. They don't really know us. Well, let's think about that for a minute. Jesus, it, Jesus, what is he asking us to do here? He's not asking us to quit making moral judgments in our own mind. He's not asking us that. When we see wrong, we know it's wrong. How can they be pardoned, okay, if they didn't do anything wrong? We have to. This part of the problem in our culture today is nothing seems to be wrong anymore. 
do whatever you want. So we have to be willing to call out what is wrong, but yet we cannot judge. In other words, we cannot look into that person's heart and we cannot say why they did what they did. We can note that they did what they did. And even if it's to us that they did it, we have to be able to not condemn them. We have to be able to love them, Jesus said. And we have to be able to forgive them because it's in forgiving that we are forgiven. This is high, high and lofty thoughts. These are difficult things to live, but we've got to take them from high and lofty platitudes to everyday living, or we're not going to transform our world the way the gospel is put here to do and given to us, entrusted to us to do. And and so we're we're entrusted not with the results, but we're entrusted with the doing. And if we will do, he will be faithful with the results. The last verse, verse 38, it's one you always hear uh, a lot. You know, people memorize it, talking about giving and tithing, uh, how generous God is. But let me take it apart just a little bit for you. Um, did I give you the Greek word for judge? I didn't, did I? The Greek word there is krino. K-R-I-N-O. And it literally means to take to court. Okay? So whether we do it privately or publicly, we do not want to judge them as if we're taking them to court. It would be the same word used, and it is the same word used, wherever it says uh, it's you're going to, to sue somebody. Um, there were also a couple of words here that I... That I uh, one of them is coming up. No, they're both coming up. I didn't miss it. Okay. I wanted, they're unique words. It's the only place in Scripture that they're actually used. Verse 38 has two words, only place in Scripture where they're actually used. Robert Grosh is the full name. Okay, thank you. Got that for my prayer list. Thank you, Dennis. Um, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Let's just take that part apart right there. First of all, pressed down. Give in a way that you're giving pressed down. What it, It's given to you pressed down. What does that mean, uh, pressed down? Pressed down. Good measure, we understand what that means. You know, a true, a good. Give a, give truly. Give a, give a good measure. Be, be generous with your giving. But what does it mean when it says, um, it will be given back to us in good measure, and he's explaining. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over are explaining the good measure. The first word for pressed down, this is a word called piezo. P-I-E-Z-O in the Greek. Piezo. It's the only place it's used in Scripture. Only place. And it literally means, you, 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 if you're talking about a measure of something, you press it down. Okay, so think of it, I, I, this is what I thought of. You know, when I'm on a diet and it says you're going to have a cup of something, and you take that measuring cup, that one cup, you're going to press down about as much pasta or rice or whatever it is, right? Let's get it all in there. Whatever we can fit in there, that's a cup. That's, that's our nature, Okay. 
to, to press it down, to get as much as we can. Well, that's what God wants to do for us. He's going to press it down. He's going to give so abundantly. He's going to press it down and give us every ounce of what could fit in that cup. But that's not all. It also says that he's going to have it shaken together. You know, it, if it's something, if, if, you're, if you're filling a cup with rice or flour or something like that, what do you do? You shake it, you tap it, you move it, you let it settle because you can get more in it that way. And that's what God's doing. He's going to press it down. He's going to shake it. That word in the Greek literally means to agitate. Okay, and it's used a lot of places in Scripture. And, and then it says running over, running over. Okay, this is another one of those words. It's the only place it's used in all of Scripture. And it's a big word. It's called huperic. Kuno, hupere kuno. It's a conjunctive word. H u p e r, huper, and e, k c h u n n o, hupere kuno. Hupere, huper. That that means above and beyond. Okay, above and beyond. And the kuno means to bestow. God's going to bestow upon us above and beyond what we could ever imagine or think if we're living as Christ, like he's trying to encourage us, like he's trying to enable us to do here. So, and then he says, it will be put into your lap. Now the picture here, they had an outer garment called a, uh, a, a kolpos, K-O-L-P-O-S. It was an outer garment. You wore it over your chest. And then you could hold it out like this and you could fill something up in it. God's just going to pour it out into our laps. God will always give us more than we could ever imagine, ever dream. He is, as, as Scripture says, the God of immeasurably more. Those are the words of St. Paul. The God of immeasurably more. Well, I've kind of run out of time. I need to quit a little bit early today to make sure I'm where I need to be right at noon. Thank you so much. I see my friend Brock joined us. Thank you for watching today. This is one of the most important lessons we can have out of the Gospel of Luke, out of the Gospel anywhere, out of Scripture anywhere. Because this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is how we're called to live. I fail miserably. You probably do too. But don't let that stop us from trying. Don't let that, because God always forgives. God always brings more grace. He giveth and he giveth more grace. Don't stop. Don't listen to the devil put you down. Don't let him say, you're not really that good. You're not going to make a difference. No. Bow your head. Humbly repent. Ask for the grace to do to do great things, to live great ways, to love greatly, to forgive greatly, to give greatly, to bless greatly. Not even to our enemies, especially to our enemies. So, I could go on and on and on, but I can't. Time is up. Thank you for joining me today. Next week, part five, Luke chapter six is a big chapter. Um, Jesus is going to start talking in, in parables here again in uh, the next lesson. 
So we'll look at that. But thank you so much for joining me. Let's keep, everybody keep in prayer for Robert Grosh. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy on Robert. And, and may the Lord's mercy be with you all. Bless you and keep you. May I pray for you as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, bless those on this broadcast right now and those who will ever watch it. May your grace be given to them, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into their laps. Your grace, that's all we need is your grace. Your grace is enough. Whatever else happens, happens. Give us your grace. Bless them now in the strong name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. God bless you. I will see you again soon. Thanks.